0: Okie dokie, let's do it everybody. Let me start by telling you that today's show is sponsored by Casper. Get premium mattresses for a fraction of the price. Sleep on Casper for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Save $50 off any mattress purchased today by visiting casper.com slash bcpod and use the promo code bcpod at checkout.
1: All right, and today's show is also sponsored by Lyft. The free Lyft app gets users a ride in minutes, on demand, 24-7, for less than the cost of a cab. Right now, our listeners get three free rides up to $10 each. That's up to $30 value, man, when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. That's three free rides when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN.
2: Today's show is also sponsored by ProFlowers. Looking for the perfect Mother's Day gift for mom? Send her the 100 Blooms for Mom bouquet for just $19.99. All you have to do is go to ProFlowers.com and use promo code BADCHRISTIAN to get this awesome deal. This stunning bouquet sells out fast. So order today. Again, that's ProFlowers.com, promo code BADCHRISTIAN to get the bonus 100 Blooms for Mom bouquet for just $19.99. You are now entering the Bad Christian Podcast. Oh, three, two, Pastor Fat is back in the house. It's the Bad Christian Podcast featuring Pastor, Reverend, Prophet, Joseph Svinson, and Reformed Atheist, Matthew Carter. And as always... (laughs) Senior year voted most funny, Toby Oh, <laughs> And the crowd <crab> goes wild. <laughs> were y'all
1: voted fellas. any were
2: y'all voted anything your senior year? I got I actually did get like, what is it, most funny? It's something they say Class it's Clown is something. what it's they not, call that. It, it wasn't class clown, it was best sense best of humor, sense maybe of humor. something like yeah. that. Yeah. Did y'all get anything? Joey, you got ugliest and fattest, right? Least likely to succeed? <laughs> oh <Uh-oh>. well. <laughs>
0: Well, that didn't work. Okay, well, if we're still alive, everybody, let me dial my friends back up.
2: Shite. Right. Okay, what happened? Do we lo- I don't know what happened. Joey's gone. Joey's gone. I don't know if he's back. Maybe I really hurt his feelings this time.
1: You may
0: you insulted him I and mean, hang up the I didn't call. hear what
1: you, I didn't hear what you said. Like right when you said something, he was trying to give you a superlative. Froze. He was he was questioning what
0: superlative you got in high school, whether it was fattest or most likely to be fat, or possibly biggest fattest person of all time, or or least likely ever to succeed, least likely to succeed. You know that kind of
2: thing.
1: No, most, most, most likely
2: to do, to do people with religion. <laughs>
3: yeah.
1: Most likely to be a pastor, for sure, man. I Dude, I, I even had the Christian senior quote, man. I was all decked out in Christianity, for sure. Hey, it's good to be back on the saddle, fellas. Hallelujah. We're Hallelujah. To back on the saddle. Hallelujah. Praise a you, com- Lord. I, I was at a conference, and I thought this was really funny because a lot of the pastors that I hang out with, they're just like, so have you... You gotten some good stories from this comforts to talk about your podcast, and I give him a really serious look, and I'm like, I, "No, man, I'm not going to do that." Oh, right. right. yeah, so let, so let me live it, so it. Hey, real, real quickly, make so, sure so you res-
2: to- real quickly make sure you restart your your uh, Skype call recorder just in case. I did. Sorry, to, a lot. sorry Okay, sorry to interrupt. Te- technical stuff here, guys. I don't make technical mistakes
1: like that. Right, I definitely so, do.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I, I've got a lot of things that I want to say, and you guys just stop me whenever you want to, because all right. I, I've got a lot of thoughts. First of all, I am not joking around. Stephen Furtick is absolutely one of the most brilliant people I've ever come into contact with, and all. You of were my at life. a Stephen Furtick conference this weekend. All last Steve concert. Steven Furtick was at the conference, and I'm telling you, it was the most amazing thing that I have seen in a wow. long time. Just how gifted he is at working a crowd. I mean, he just took command. Dude, I'm telling you. And and, and some of it is is just flat out, I can't get around saying it arrogance. He gets up on stage. And he turns around to the worship team. He points, This is, and this is not his church. He doesn't know these people. He points to the keyboard player and he says, hey, won't you play that thing that you were just doing a while ago? So the keyboard player starts playing a little bit. He said, oh, oh, you changed keys on me, huh? He said, you didn't think I'd pick up on that. And then he said, just remember, he says, at my church, he says, I, I make sure my worship team knows that I can take their job at any time. I'm like, he is, do- he is dominating the stage. I mean, he is literally dominating the stage. He, I mean, it is just a sight to be seen. It's called but charisma, the- I guess, right? Yes. Showmanship. Yes. He, here's, here's Or the iron- gifting here's the- from the Lord. Yeah, here's the irony in all of this is he's the last person to speak in the conference, which is like a two-day conference. And you guys, it's also uh, known I- as headliner. Right. <laughs> He's main stage. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, there's no way to exaggerate this. They had a complete sound system meltdown. <laughs> I mean, it was crazy. So during his talk, there's this noise that would go. Psh-sh-sh-sh. During his talk, and so I'm telling you, he was so genius, he was playing it off perfectly, and he was making jokes about it, and then he was just like, man, I got to install this back at Elevation, man, this thing sounds cool, but at some point, it started (laughs) to really bother him, and he stopped acknowledging it, and then he would start looking around y'all, the sound system, basically I found out afterwards, the sound system was shutting down. So he started moving into like a response time sort of thing, and there was these loud, obnoxious noises until fi- they brought him up. I mean, y'all, this is a huge conference. Steven Furtick, like the guy that everybody's, you know, wanting to impress and everything, they keep bringing him up new microphones until finally he turns down the microphone, shakes his head no, like I'm not taking another daggone microphone. And, and But listen, listen to what he does. He starts leading the whole Coliseum in unplugged worship. So it's like he he is flawless. He knew exactly what to do, but I'm telling you, it was crazy to see the sound system fall apart. All right, so a friend don't, of mine... Don't, hold on, don't leave that yet. I mean, that that is hilarious. Like, that is part of your job
2: that you get paid to to be a part of. And, and I mean, you have to, like, it sounds like what you're saying, right? He's like, you got to give that guy some respect. I mean, he... Puts on one hell of a show. He's—I mean, it might not be a show to him or to other people, but I mean, if you're an alien coming from another planet and you and you see, you know, Beyonce or you know all the you know whoever it might be putting on something, you see Stephen further I mean, it, it, he's it, he's in a league outside of other pastors, right? Is that what oh, you're saying? Like, like I, he's I, he's bringing I, stuff to the table that
1: other pastors aren't right now, even. I think I think he may in the pastor category. I. Th- I would preach I should say. Yeah. I don't know about pastor. I would find it hard to believe if there's anybody better than what he does. And and here now please please hear me out. At what he does. I'm now not, I'd like for I, you to define right, what he does. I, right. What, I'm not no, even no, saying— No, stop right there and I, define what he does. Yeah. I like your statement. So he's the best at what he does. What does he do? He is best at working a crowd. In a way that lifts people's spirits up, make people laugh, you know, get them all excited, get them energized about God and all this thing. So here's what here's what I'm saying is, I, I'm not even saying that I'm connecting with it, but but you guys, I'm telling you, I'm sitting there and I'm being so skeptical and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is such BS. But then there was a time where he said something, I'm like. Yeah, I kind of need to hear that, man. (laughs) He got me on that one, man. I believe that. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, the dude, it is just like. Like I, I, I mean, is he a magician or is it, you like, know what? That's I a, have never a, seen charisma like that. Right, never. Well, magic because is here, a
0: good thing to compare it to, Joey. Because he, yes, it's a, like yes. slide of it's not sleight of hand it's like rhetoric is is similar to that. And, and in fact, I think you could probably say it's like a magician's sleight of hand and optical illusions. Well, these are uh, sleight of of word or verbal right. illusions or at least tricks or at least techniques that you're going along you know what I mean it's in the same category as magic and that's not even necessarily necessarily a direct slam or anything but it is certainly yeah. in that in that category
1: yeah I mean, y'all, listen! Listen how genius this is. So, a lot of people they have given they have given Stephen Furtick hell for kind of um, setting things up, like as far as placing people for spontaneous baptisms, placing people to you know say amen and all this stuff. He starts the message off by just sitting there and say he says, "Guys," he said, "My miss," he says, "The message that I came up with tonight." He's like, it's so clear. It's so simple. I feel so strong about this. It's so good. He said, I don't need y'all's help. He said, I'd preach this message if I was in a room by myself. <laughs> he said, so, so he said, I want y'all to feel like you can just sit there, relax. You don't have to do anything. Just take this in. But he had, he had like a whole crowd of elevation pastors that every time he got excited, they stood up, and I'm telling you, yeah, if the, yeah. I, I would be so surprised if they weren't instructed to do so because there are some things that Stephen Furtick says, like, off the cuff as far as, like, yes, yeah, such and such stood up for me, so I'm going to stand up for them. It's just, like, some weird stuff. That he has played into, as as far as giving, and and I think he confuses it for honor and respect, which are good things, but it's just taken to an an unhealthy. Place. I, I mean, it's
2: the same thing as a rock show. Like I, I've been on stage before, and I say, "All right, everybody, put their hands up. All right, clap right here." Do that, and that gets the crowd into it. And that's yeah, totally, I mean, all, totally. what he's doing is it, being a great showman. Now, yeah, my question to you: Does it? I mean, is that okay? Like, maybe, maybe that's all right. Maybe getting people pumped up in that way, even if it's a little choreographed. Well, uh, yeah. it, I mean, it didn't make,
1: didn't it make everything that he did better? I mean, well, he, let, he is
2: very talented.
1: Yeah. He, here's the the only way I can respond to that is let's at least acknowledge it, and I'll give you a perfect example. There's a there's a woman pastor that got up there and she spoke for ten minutes. And she literally said, I'll tell you what, if I didn't speak sometime, you know, I'm not from the South. And I had a Southern lady tell me, you know, after I had preached the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she said to me, you know what? You're cute and entertaining. And then she gives this scowl, and she's just like, I'll tell you what. I told her, I said, if all I am is cute and entertaining to you, then I, you know, I I don't accept that. She says, I'm here to preach the gospel and all that stuff. And I'm thinking, but wait a second you're cute and you're entertaining like let's at least stop there because if somebody told this this uh this woman speaker hey has anybody ever told you you're pretty unattractive or and man when you get up there you're kind of burnt you're you're boring like it would have devastated her so at least acknowledge that hey i'm entertaining and I'm kind of attractive, and so people like to listen to me. Like, so to answer your question, I would say let's at least acknowledge that there, is, there are some, some positive things and maybe even helpful things that aren't spiritual. It's just someone's well, really good at a craft. Yeah, and we don't I, have to
2: over spiritualize. I think everything. I understand what you're saying. I would say in that instance, she probably just didn't want to hear again that about her looks. She was probably she was, fighting she, you know, more. of The, you know I mean?
0: the female, you yeah, know, yeah, just the, the idea that, the, that the, she was a girl being marginalized in yeah. that way.
2: Like, like, like for example, you even just referred to her as woman speaker, <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> not 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 a you know a pastor. Or a preacher, like you, know, you said, woman speaker. So I think that's probably what she's going Some there woman preacher for. got up there. Let me yeah,
1: tell yeah. you about what she said. Some woman talker. <laughs> <Yeah>. and, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> a woman talker. I'll tell you this, though. I, I was really, the, the biggest encouragement for me at these things is to talk to really close friends that are that are even more, uh, I would say I'm pretty adaptable to the mainstream Christian culture, but people that I see as even more adaptable that I'll be in a conversation with them and they're just like, yeah, I don't. I don't really. I'm not buying into a lot of this stuff. They see the same things about Stephen Furtick as I see, but they're they're pro church. They want to see people grow in their relationship, but they're not buying into anything. And that, I mean, li- listen. I mean, come on. Why why do we why do we let this stuff slide? And and uh, Toby, one of our bosses, actually said that is the biggest bunch of BS I've ever heard. Stephen Furtick actually said in passing that 50% of people at Elevation Church are heathen. So in other words, this is a church of like 20,000 people. 10,000 unbelievers are sitting there on a Sunday morning being like, yeah, man, I got to hear this stuff. No, that's not true. That's just not true. Now, I I would imagine that maybe there's some statistical loopholes that he's trying to take advantage of. Like maybe there's a lot of people professing Christians that aren't really Christians or something. I don't think he's just trying to throw that out of thin is air. Is that to prove I that know. he's bringing in new people and growing yes. and all yes. that stuff? That, yes, yeah, there's yeah, yeah. there's a validation because yeah. at, there's so many people that would say, oh, you're just filling up a, a bunch of buildings with a bunch of Christians people, yeah, that are church hoppers." Yeah, and he's saying, no, 50% don't even believe. And I'm like, that's not true. Yeah, yeah. that is completely would, not
2: I, true. And I hate that when pastors use that statistic anyway because even when people say they don't believe, Majority of those were people that believed their entire life, and then maybe there was a year or two where they partied and said they didn't believe, but they probably even still did yep, then. Yep. And so, I mean, it, it, that, the, all those numbers are crazy. I, I, I mean, overall though, you used to get really depressed at these things. It didn't seem like it bothered you that bad. No, like, it, it seems it, like you're pretty mentally healthy right yeah, now. Yeah, let
0: me. I want to yes. hear about that too. But first, I got we got to take care of a couple of sponsor spots, and I want to tell everybody, oh, yeah. yeah. And, and here, I'm going to apologize here because we've got actually one more ad than we normally have today, but i'm going to tell you why that is that's because of a really good reason it's because that our ads are sold out for the whole year of the 2017 we don't have any space left at all because of you guys supporting the sponsors and allowing us to do this and continuing to grow the show Very so cool. that's a super congratulations we're doing about half a million downloads a month right now and it's just crazy so thank you to everybody for that and um so we have – sometimes there's a certain amount of orders that we have to fit in, and this one just happens to have four. So we're going to figure out how not to have four, certainly, and three, or hopefully we won't even have three sometimes, and two. Maybe we'll even add an extra episode to the podcast at some point in the future because it seems to be uh, well-supported that the numbers And Lord are, knows are we there. can talk. So I don't really know. We don't have a plan exactly, but this is just one of those weeks where we happen to have um, another one to to get into. So let me get to it, though. Part of the reason all this is working is because you guys like our sponsors. Let me give an example of that. Not even you guys, but we do. So I got a Casper mattress uh, maybe a year or two ago now, and I've been sleeping on it ever since, and I love it. Now, I will be honest. They sent me that mattress for free. I didn't even pay for it, but I do love it, and I do continue to sleep on it. But here is what should make the difference to you when I tell you this. Our uh, ad sales and producer guy, Bunda, just bought one. He bought one for his family, spent – I don't know whatever they call, so I don't know which size he got, but he bought one uh, with just our promo code on it, and he asked me, do I really like it, and should he get one too? And I said, absolutely, yes. And he's his own pocket money, no discount, no nothing other than the promo code, got a Casper mattress, and he says he loves it. Also, Joey, did you not just get a Casper mattress?
1: I sure did, and I called and said, hey, I'm a pastor. Can you give me more money off? And they said no. They said no. And so you paid full <laughs> price minus
0: our you know, promo code BCPOD. Right. And now you have yep. a Casper mattress. You just told me it just came in. So I'm excited to hear next time when you unbox it and get to sleep on it. So I won't speak for you. But we believe in this product enough that – Our own people are are paying the money for it and buying it with no extra discount or hookup for being on the show. So Casper is – they've created like an amazing mattress here, and they sell it directly to consumers, eliminating the commission-driven, inflated prices. It's an award-winning sleep surface they developed in-house, and it's it's really good. They also have a pillow now that I haven't tried but would like to. It's an adaptive pillow, soft, and they make soft and breathable sheets, which I'm interested in. To check out. So it's obsessively engineered at a shockingly fair price. It combines uh, supportive memory foam to create this award winning sleep surface. And they've sold uh, just so many of these things that it, it's it's getting reviews and ratings and awards all over the place. And part of the reason is, of course, it's great to sleep on, but it's free shipping and returns in the U.S. and Canada. And you can try it for 100 nights risk-free in your own home. If you don't love it, they will pick it up and refund you everything. It's designed, developed, and assembled in the United States. And you can get $50 towards any mattress purchase today by visiting... Casper.com slash bcpod and using the promo code bcpod. Also, by the way, if I ever don't know where my dog is, there's lots of places to sleep in my house. He's always on the Casper mattress up in the middle of our bed, so he likes it too. Uh, that's $50 towards any mattress purchase by visiting casper.com slash Pod and use the promo code bcpod at checkout.
1: Yeah, uh, a lot of people know that I was just in a wreck, and it's crazy because I went through a little time crunch where we only had one car that does not work for the Svensson family with two different schools we're taking the kids to and all that. It's crazy because... Nowadays, with unbelievable with an unbelievable service like Lyft, you're never at a place as a civilian where you're just like, I don't have a ride. I can't get somewhere. So if you don't know about Lyft, it's the app that gets you a ride in minutes on demand 24-7 for less than the cost of a cab. And Lyft is above and beyond anything you've ever experienced with, you know, similar type services. The, the Lyft drivers, they have a higher standard that they have to go through, uh, you know, the criminal background, but also 10-point safety standard, DMV background checks. Uh, Lyft drivers, they're rated after every ride, so they're all trying to do their best, and it's eliminating, you know, the filthy car with some creepy dude. With Lyft, you can tip in the app. Uh, Nine out of ten of these drivers have perfect five-star ratings from the passengers, so you get, you know, the Lyft rider is assessing the drivers, and uh, don't forget, bigger isn't always better. Lyft isn't the biggest ride-sharing app, but it's the fastest-growing and highest-rated one, and I'm talking... Quality over quantity Which we all agree Is a good thing So right now Lyft is offering Our listeners A special deal This really is Unbelievable Three free rides You can download This app And at the very least Say hey I'm going to get Three free rides Out of the deal I'm you know Pretty convinced that you're going to keep this app because at the very least it's it's convenient to always have it as a backup plan. But then some people, hey, they move into a big city and they they, they just use Lyft and never buy a car. So three free rides, that's up to $30 value when you enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN. So go download the Lyft app today, enter promo code BADCHRISTIAN in the payment section and you'll start with three free rides
0: thank you joey now toby was asking you before that break about your mental health which seems that i can tell just by i haven't seen you in a week and i'm glad you're back on the show and i'm glad to get to talk to you again we by the way i think we probably talked a reasonable amount of shit about you while you're not here just so you know i'm sure yeah. you caught up on I, the episode but say, yeah we said a lot of nice things too so uh, you can go back and yeah. listen to him. I don't remember exactly what we except said.
2: For, except for Reva on the bonus episode. Yeah. So all you people out there didn't even get to hear all the shit that Reva said about Joey because mm-hmm. your, it, you're not a member. All the members of the BC Club got to hear it. So I yeah. would join today because what Reva yeah. said was just Rasty. critical R- of yeah. you. Yeah. yeah, and It I'll was add, ugly. It was I'll, vulgar. Add Reva,
1: I'll add Reva to the list that you guys are on of people that I don't care what think about me. So you guys talk all you want, and I just don't even we said what nice y'all, y'all say, what y'all say, God, what you say. Hey, so to answer Toby's question, you know, there's a guy that Pete Innes had on his podcast, which is a great podcast, by the way, and he said that a lot of Christians have worked through a a deconstruction when it comes specifically to the church. So they go through this stage of, oh, that can't be right. And oh, why do they have so much emphasis on this? And oh, why is there so much hype? And after they work through it, they're kind of at a place to where they're just like, you know what? I've got better things to do than to pick everything apart and to be so negative. Now, I do feel like I still pick things apart because I don't think that's a bad thing, but I feel like my negativity is gone because I just don't have time for it. So I feel like I can go Go into a conference like that, see it for what it is, realize where I'm at for what it is, and it's not that big of a deal. So, that yeah, does sound I, particularly those, healthy. Those, those conferences aren't as big of a deal. Uh, but let me tell you, I, I got a few more stories, and then I know we got to move on uh, to our guests. But you guys would appreciate this. Uh, My pastor friends took me back to Winthrop days and I thought about y'all because, and I told them they couldn't believe I was going to do this. And I said, look, I said, in college, this is what happened all the time. My friends would put me up to stuff because they knew that I would do it. So there was like a transition time. When there was no speakers, people were using the restroom and everything, and there's a guy sitting all the way at the top of this huge church. It's like a coliseum, and he's sitting all by himself because he's obviously wanting some lone time be on the computer. And uh, so me and Toby's uh, pastor friend, Roy, he said, Joey... Go up there and sit right next to him and just start talking to him. And I said, I I said I'll I'll do better than that because he offered me five dollars. I said I'll do better than that for ten dollars. I'll go up there and sit by him and not Not talk. Yeah, that's that's good. And they're like, "You are not going to do that." I said, "Yes, he will." Sure as hell will do that. So, (laughs) so I walk all the way up there and I just sit right there and I cross my legs and I kind of look off to the side in the middle of nowhere. And I. I saw him peripherally, and he turned and looked at me for a few <laughs> seconds. Went, within one minute, he was gone. <laughs> That's <laughs> he, a perfect Joey thing to do. I love it.
3: And you didn't say a oh, word. You just went man. and sat there? What would you do? Get no, on your phone or thing. what?
1: Um, I No, I, I sat there, and I kind of looked the other way. What did you so. think was going to happen? He was going to say something or what? Yeah, I, I, I thought anybody in the anybody in the anybody like he made my job easy. I just kept my mouth shut. I thought for sure he was going to be like, "Dude, what are you doing?" And then I'd have to say, oh, "Uh-huh." I just wanted to sit here. I like you know this seat seemed to be a good choice, but he didn't say anything. That made my job a lot easier. But uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you all one more thing. So, oh my gosh, this this was this was kind of disturbing. So they have these slides rolling in the conference, and one of the slides had some sort of evangelical uh, message about Europe. So it's some organization that's placed in Europe you know, to evangelize people, save people for Jesus and all that. But the picture on there was a close-up of like a teenager with the darkest, most morbid makeup job that made him look like a, a satanic person. And it's like, save Europe. And here you have a profile of someone that looks like a Satanist. I was like... Oh my gosh! Like that's the picture we're trying to paint of people in Europe. You know how Europe is. Oh yeah, the Europe. Oh my gosh, they're they're lost as lost can be. Probably dabbling in Satanism, sacrificing animals and everything. But oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, and there's somebody said somebody entered. Y'all pick on me for saying stuff that our listeners have no idea Mm -hmm. what I'm talking about. There's a pastor that went up there and spoke, and he he said that he is a legacy pastor at his church. And I I was like, wow, he just did what I do because I have no idea what his job is. He is a legacy pastor. I do not know what that is, but I I'll imagine do some it research.
0: means he just used to be a pastor.
1: He's retired or something. No, no, no. He said, I'm the legacy pastor at our church. So it's actually a title. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, my Lord.
0: <laughs> He's in charge of pastoring just? people's legacies that they set their families up to do well and across generations or something, perhaps.
1: Maybe so. Maybe so. <laughs> no I, okay, man, okay. I, do- I
0: got I'll just have one thing i- w- I went to a church uh speaking of that what you just said just reminded me I went to a church retreat at the beach two weeks ago with my church, and it was great and everything. but I did hear an ultimate uh christianese phrase that just cracked me up. Somebody said something <laughs> incredibly vague in a time that I thought was incredibly vague in the first place. Then somebody else said something else kind of vague. then somebody raised their hand to. Comment on the first vague thing and bring it back to it. And she said, I really resonate with what she said about seasons. (laughs) which was obviously the content of the first person's thing. She talked about seasons, uh, you know, different seasons or whatever in a vague way. And then the lady brought it back just to say that she resonated with what she had said about seasons.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What is up with people? You don't talk like that. They're nice people. Why why when you're around certain people, you talk that way? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They're they're
0: the same people I hung out with and talked to. I I mean, they're normal people that I like. They don't don't actually talk that way. When you're barbecuing or eating supper, 20 minutes later. But during the official time, the way it's set up and the just the way it is, it just brings out that goofy, vague talk. So <laughs> yeah. Sorry. yeah, for sure.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so a friend of mine went went to. Uh, y- they call them app sessions. So it's like these classes that happen between the speakers and everything. App and he sessions. Said there is, yeah. App me and Toby do that A-P-P. at uh, Applebee's. Yeah. So, (laughs) so this, it was a pastor teaching an app session. He was from Charlotte. And, uh, my friend said it was clear that the whole back row was from his church because they were saying, amen. um, Oh, that's good. That's, that's what a lot of people say at conferences. "Mm, That's good. Amen. That's good. He said they were clearly from his church. And, uh, There was something mentioned about another church in Charlotte with this hot dynamic pastor. Everybody knew he was talking about Furtick, and it was kind of with like a negative slant. And uh, he, he said, I promise you, I saw that same row of people that were supporting their pastor in that app session. I saw where they were when Stephen Furtick was teaching. And they just sat there like bumps on a log because they're in Charlotte and they did not like Stephen Furtick. So <laughs> it's just, it, you know, it's just a joke. Like some of that stuff is like, come on, let's just acknowledge that this is It's just like high school. It's just, it's, it's just a game we're popular. playing and let's, let's just stop with it already. Uh, I All mean, right, it really so,
2: is like high school. Everybody has to go to class. So you just jockey for position and try to be the coolest yep. or the jock or whatever. You try to find your identity. And so if this thing works and everybody else dislikes it, and uh, that's what I'm saying. Like we, we talk sh- about all the pastors but I mean of course all the pastors do some good and some bad but the problem is it's like you can't even be real like you have to use a strange language and you have to be bizarre to even talk about anything in Christianity <laughs> isn't that crazy
1: That's super weird. it's a weird uh, club
2: man it's a sad club yeah and I'm in it I'm a full-fledged member <laughs> <laughs> it's Joey's profession yeah, yeah, I know, it's your yeah. chosen profession
1: Well, well I'm, right. defi- I'm, I'm definitely thankful for the church I'm a part of, that's for sure And we're glad I, I, to have you I, back I, on our podcast too, Joey Well, thanks, man, thanks Well, we're going to be talking, so here, here's the deal There's a lot of Nephilim talk these days and here's Oh, what it's Nephilim, all over the place Yeah, it's all no, it's, <laughs> over yeah, the it's place constantly. It's constantly, <laughs> it, it's either, you know, uh, talking about the
2: uh, Kardashians or Nephilim Syria, Kardashians, and Nephilim, that's all I see on that's the That's all I hear yep. about, Kanye but, this, Nephilim that
1: but I, I do want to give our listeners uh, some, back, some, some fun little information. So a long time ago, I had Matt on the podcast to talk to this, uh, uh, basically a Nephilim expert. His name was L.A. Marzulli. It's actually episode 19 of Pastor With No Answers. And a Nephilim Matt, expert? Is he solely a giant expert? He's an <laughs> expert about giant giantism. <laughs> no, right? no. Well, what Matt was talking about before the podcast, it really is like a, a satanic... Conspiracy that is like usurping all of human existence and the oh. progression of everything. And so like it's Christians not just about being a giant, it. it
2: actually is about also Satan infiltrating everything through giants, secret societies, <laughs> and
0: stuff like that. And not actual giants, yeah. but the bloodlines of the, whatever. We'll get to that. Right. Like, you're in, telling Jimmy, me that
1: son of a bitch, Andre the Giant, was a demon. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Matt kind of took the approach of nothing that you're saying or showing me should I accept as proof or evidence? Cause that picture could have been doctored or you're saying something and someone could easily disagree with you. And uh, that was the kind of, the, the tone that the whole conversation went. But so many people are, at least in the church realm, are interested in this, even if it's from a I cannot believe people believe this stuff. I actually lean a little more towards giving it the benefit of the doubt, and, and I got my ears open to a lot of the stuff because I think a lot of passages make way more sense with this in mind. But we're going to talk to another expert, and I actually told him beforehand, I said, look, this could get a little dicey because... Two thirds of the hosts on this podcast think that this stuff is ridiculous, and he said, "Not nah, let's do it anyway." So his name is Gary Wayne, and uh, yep. yeah, we're just going to give them the, the. I think his 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 title is the Genesis Six Conspiracy Expert. Mm-hmm. By the go. way,
0: people are not interested in trying to go in here and get into a big argument. So if you'll notice, I will we'll see, but we'll that is not my right. goal going in here at all. So. Joey booked them, and well, I'll ring them up here. But we could uh, do our other little ad break, and we'll be done with those, and get to the guests. Okay, guys, you got to take care of the moms in your life. You really do. Trust me on that. Grandmoms, your moms, the moms of your kids—all those things are very important to. Show love to, and Mother's Day is a very important day for that. And flowers is the classic way to do it, and they always appreciate it. I'm not even saying that's all you should do for any mom in your life on Mother's Day. Is not not maybe maybe beyond just flowers, but at least start with flowers. And that's where Pro Flowers comes in. Being a mom is a thankless job, and Mother's Day is the chance to show your appreciation. So when you send the hundred blooms for Mom bouquet from Pro Flowers. From Pro Flowers this Mother's Day, you will make a real impression. And here's the thing it comes with a free glass vase for just $19.99 plus shipping and handling. And if you really want to make a statement, you can upgrade the, to a premium vase and include some gourmet chocolates for just $10 more, which is a great idea. So you choose the delivery date that you want, that's up to you. And Pro Flowers, are guaranteed to arrive fresh and beautiful, and they stay that way for at least seven days or your money back. We just got some at our house the other day, and they have lasted a long time, and they're beautiful. My wife likes them. My daughters love them, and we're happy to use Pro Flowers, and we will be sending them to some other people, and you should too. So moms love fresh flowers, and Pro Flowers makes it easy to send the perfect Mother's Day gift with this huge bouquet. So think about it. Get on it. The only way to get the 100 blooms for mom with the glass vase starting in nineteen ninety nine is to visit proflowers.com, click on the microphone in the top right corner and use our promo code BADCHRISTION. That's ProFlowers.com and the code is BADChristian. When you click on the mic, this stunning bouquet sells out fast, so order it today.
2: All right, I want to talk about Indochino, 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 Indochino. Doesn't it just roll off your tongue? Yeah, I'm does. talking about custom menswear. It, it even looks better than it sounds. That, that's the truth. Uh, these suits are just tailor-made. It, it just suits fit exactly to you, to your, uh, to your exact size. It's so awesome. Rather than the, the old uh, off-the-rack suit, these are made-to-measure suits made-to-measure suit right in the in just in the comfort of your own home. I love Indochino. I love my suit. I'm probably going to be getting another one because they have so many cool options and different colors and styles that I want to have a, a different suit for a different occasion. So I want to get a couple myself. Uh, but I love my suit. It was so easy to get my measurements. Like I said, it's basically like being tailor-made. You get it measured in your own. You you get it your friend. I got my wife to help me. I used. Uh, they sent everything in. I used the tape measured. It shows you these really cool, easy, user-friendly videos that just show you exactly how to take all your measurements. You send in those measurements, and that's all you got to do. Indochino has suited up hundreds of thousands of men and are now the largest made-to-measure menswear brand in the world, and here's how it works. Visit a showroom or shop online, which is what I did, at Indochino.com. Pick your fabric, choose your customizations from lapels to pleats to jacket linings and more. Submit your measurements, place your order, and wait for it to to arrive in just a few weeks. I'm telling you, this company is so great. I love finally getting a suit that I look good in as opposed to the old ones that I did not I did not look good. I got a weird body, and uh, suits usually don't accentuate that weird body, but Indochino makes me look as good as I possibly can. I love that. This week, our listeners get any premium Indochino suit for $389 at Indochino.com when entering Bad Christian at checkout. That's 50% off the regular price, 50% off, folks, the regular price for made to measure premium suits. Uh, plus, shipping is free. That's Indochino.com, promo code Bad Christian for any premium suit for just $389 and free shipping. Incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could.
0: Here comes Gary now. Gary, there you are, and you've got a
3: great internet connection and a good sound and everything. So welcome to the show. Terrific. Yeah. Well, so happy to be here and looking forward to the discussion today, and I think it might just pique the interest of your audience that'll be all
0: we'll have time to do because and i spoke to you a minute before over the skype chat that that i know that 30 minutes or any time like that is is barely scratching the surface based on the amount a of huge topic the, yeah a huge topic and I, you seem to have no pun a, intended <laughs> yeah no pun intended but you seem to have a wealth of knowledge about it and studies and, and seem to have devoted most of your life to this is that
3: correct well yeah it sort of uh Kind of took over, I was more of a prophecy buff. And mm-hmm. as I was logging all of the narratives and prophecy out of the Bible, you know, you come across this giant aspect very quickly in Genesis 6. And then they crop up after the flood, and then they crop up uh, in uh, parts of the New Testament in terms of references back to them. But what really caught me was when you get into like Revelations and the Abyss and the fallen angels and the demons. And so what I thought I would do is write a really short book about you know connecting Genesis 6 with the end time and it just took off in all these different directions that Uh, You know, It was a combination of about 30 years worth of research from uh, the the prophetic side and then overlapping on that for say about 20 years of trying to put the story together on this.
0: Okay, so I don't really think that our listeners are – man, and they're all over the place. It's a really, really diverse group of people that you're talking to here. But I suspect many of them don't know much about this stuff at all as I didn't know much about it, let's say, a year ago. It just sounded like some – It's something I didn't know much about at all, but your book is called The Genesis 6 Conspiracy. So I don't know how you speak to people when it's right out of the gate, and they may or may not know what you're talking about, but what is The Genesis 6 Conspiracy?
3: Well, Genesis 6 Conspiracy, uh, in a nutshell, is following what happens in Genesis 6 when the sons of God go to the daughters of men and produce giants. And then the descendants that come thereafter— plus the organizations that they're going to partner with. So they're going to partner with the descendants of Cain, who are going to develop the seven sacred sciences, plus the illicit knowledge taught to them by the Watchers and the fallen angels, and they're going to develop secret societies and mysticism, and people might be surprised to know that Freemasonry goes back to the same group of characters in terms of their legends that Albert Mackey likes to write about. So how these groups all partner to, cor- to corrupt the antediluvian world then how these organizations, people, and descendants cross the flood, taint the early post-Diluvian world, how they affect our history, what they're doing today, how and why they're going to bring about the end time and present the Antichrist from those bloodlines. Okay.
0: So well, ha- you said a bunch of terms in there that I don't know if people—Anti-Diluvian <laughs> yeah. must mean before the flood. I get, I get that.
3: Before the flood, um, yes. Um, yep. So
0: <laughs> can we just start at the basics of who mm. impregnated who and how?
3: Sons of God. So it says in Genesis 6, the sons of God. And if you want to know who the sons of God are, of course, in Christianity, there's a split as to trying to define who they are. But from an Old Testament perspective, if you go to Job 1, 6, uh, 2, 4, and 34, 4 to 7, uh, it defines the sons of God as angels. So your translation, depending on whichever translation you're going to use, will say angels or sons of God. If it says angels, it'll be a asterisk at the bottom of the page that'll say sons of God. So it's the it's the angels who rebelled uh, in the angelic rebellion, and they're taking out revenge for the commission that Adam's going to be on to be raised above angels in, in the future time, and they go to human females, uh, presumably from the descendants of Cain, although it doesn't specifically say that, but you kind of arrive at that conclusion, to create this giant supernatural race of demigods to usurp the kingships and to slave humankind and prevent that commission from happening. And, of course, the flood prevents that, but this has been an ongoing conspiracy to do so that will ultimately come full play and full circle in the end time. So so, I
2: have have a quick question. Uh, So just that idea right there. I always thought that uh, angels were sexless. So are we saying that angels have male genitalia?
3: Well, what you're referring to is in Matthew where it talks about that there is no marriage in heaven, right? Right. And that's what most people refer to, and and, and I think that's absolutely correct because the Bible says that. But it's not talking about the physical realm. Now, angels were created immortal, and there's no need to reproduce. But in the physical world, this isn't where immortal beings were created, and they need to reproduce, and you need two sexes. So when they come into the physical world, they have the ability to take uh, whatever form that they want. They put on a different sort of clothing as it talks about in 2 Corinthians 5, which goes back to o- Oikotarian with the house in heaven and Habitat out of Jude is a dwelling place for the spirit. So they can put on any clothes that they want in this, in this realm, and they can choose any sex that they want. So it's not sex is not permitted in heaven, and it's not permitted on the earth either. It's a violation against the laws of creation. So yeah, angels can so
0: angels and demons can come to earth and choose whatever shapeshift form they would like
3: well no I don't believe uh, demons are angels um, as you dig deeper and roll this back you learn that the demons are the bodiless spirits of the original Nephilim and perhaps a few generations thereafter because God steps in to limit the length of their life because you're putting an immortal spirit in the physical world creating gods and flesh but once God limits the age of the flesh uh, on earth, the bodies will eventually die, but the spirit doesn't go to sleep, and Mm -hmm. it's not allowed into heaven, and these become the demons that even Jesus will refer to Mm -hmm. in the New Testament, particularly legion would be the most common one that people would know, uh, and they're afraid that he's either going to send them to the abyss where the fallen angels are or bring judgment on them even sooner.
1: The, The sexual stuff going on, do you tie that to UFO abductions <laughs> like There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, UFO similarities okay. and, and some of the few abductions that people can't really like cross off their list and say, oh, that yeah. can be explained. That person was drunk. The The common ground that a lot of these abductions share is that there were sexual experiences done. Uh, on the person abducted. I I read a whole book about that. (laughs) Do do you tie the two together as far as saying, well, those aliens are demonic uh, entities
3: that are trying to still infiltrate humanity? Yeah. So in the book, I don't spend a lot of time on the alien mythos because that's sort of a bit of a genre in itself. But... If you if and and people might be surprised, I will go into all different avenues of mythology, history, legend, and religions and show the common denominators as I walk through this, and I'll let the other side speak for themselves. Now, within that, you have the fairy concept. And the fairy has four classifications, beginning with the angelic ones who come to the earthborn fairies but the fourth classification are the elementals and the elementals have a class that come through shades or portals and have flying machines and they kidnap people they do sexual experimentation on them and they're called uh, the the gray neighbors in scotland and just generally graves they come out of the One of the three classifications of the little people, and this one being the gnomes, uh, and they're all just kind of just known as the greys, and I'll present that in my book and give an account of a fairy abduction. If you didn't know it was a fairy abduction, you would swear it was describing a grey alien abduction, because they were described exactly the same way. So... Do I think there's a connection there? I think there's a connection there, absolutely. But I wouldn't classify the uh, aliens as necessarily being uh, demons or the fallen angels, although they're all working together. Now, um, I've, al- I've always thought
2: that pastors who do like, sexual immorality should use the fairy excuse. Like, a fairy kidnapped me. I didn't want to do it. That fairy took me into the other dimension, and that's
3: where I I did not want to do that stuff, baby. Yeah, probably one of those leprechauns, because they're the mischievous, <laughs> mischievous ones, right? So, so let, Let's stay in the biological <laughs> me, just for a
0: second still. Well, let, let, of- me
1: ask, let me ask something real quick, Matt. Gary, do you understand when uh, 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 there's Christians that are listening right now, and okay. they're saying, this dude is crazy like how do you respond to that do you understand where people are coming from when they're just
3: like this is nuts talk Sure, and you can you can do a couple approaches on that, and I respect everybody's perspective, and mm-hmm. I don't think anything you should do in Christianity should divide Christians in. Yeah. So all I'm doing is I'm taking a literal translation and not trying to twist and manipulate what the Bible says. So when I say it says in the King James Bible that you know the sons of uh, God went to the daughters of of uh, humans and produce giants, that's literally what it says. But where Christians will take an exception who don't believe in the supernatural nature of these giants is that they'll go to, uh, like, the sons of uh, God uh, term that's in the New Testament that comes out of the, uh, the Pentecost Covenant, right? But this is clearly, in my opinion, my conclusion, not the same reference. So they're not humans, they're not Sethites. And what they are, if you look very clearly, and and, human, uh, and Hebrews uh, twelve seven, I think, has the best example of why it's not because you're being adopted into this classification of sons of God. And Hebrews twelve seven says that even though you know we have human fathers, we're, we're looked upon as the sons of God in the new covenant. Yeah. Well, the the fathers in Genesis six are from um fallen angels as described in Job. I mean this is clearly a different reference. This is this is a new covenant uh reference that really doesn't have anything to do with Genesis six. And in fact, uh, I would also submit that, you know, we're it says that we're adopted in. We're not they're not the physical sons, right? So this is this is a metaphor. But typically that's where the split will come and, and I get that um because we're talking about something that's really quite out of the ordinary and it can be hard to believe but if you take the idea that a human mating with another human could somehow produce a demigod and or a giant which the uh giants are described as as in the word nephilim that's impossible so the only way you're going to get a supernatural being coming out of this union is from something being added in in this case uh, the uh, The DNA and the bloodline of the of the fallen angels
0: what do you mean specifically when you go into talking about DNA like how would this what DNA would they have
3: Well, they would have a hybrid DNA they would have DNA of the being that the angels are in the physical world with the DNA that comes also from of the uh, female mother and so you create this hybrid being it is not a spiritual being it is a, a physical being but it has the immortal spirit of the angels that went in it so is a different if-
0: species though what is the species oh, yeah. well, of sh- the of the, the Nephilim. Signs- they're okay. called
3: Nephilim specifically. And if you look at the word hero, which they're called in some translations as the heroes of old or the mm-hmm. men of renown, if you take hero back to its ancient meaning using, let's say, Webster's or any dictionary that you want, that was understood in the ancient epoch as a demigod. And what that means by definition, and it will say that in the Bible, that it is the offspring of the gods and a human female. So just like in Atlantean mythology where you have Poseidon marrying climbing and produces ten sets of titans, titans are yeah. another form of Hercules of is of like that
0: too, right? Her- Hercules is Jesus like that as well. Zeus is kid and whatever, yeah, right? something so,
3: like that. And this is the same story that's told around the world. That includes the flood story and the reason for the flood. So whether or not you're talking about Anunnaki or titans or Danua or Myosi or... Uh, Let's say Z- Zibalba or Tengu, or and there's just literally hundreds of names for these beings in all religions and all mythologies around the world. They have the same story of how these uh, superheroes, not superheroes, but heroes of old were created, or as the King James Version will call them, the mighty ones.
2: Okay, so
0: I just want
3: to
2: that- Do you think of these people also, these Nephilim, they have superpowers? They're not just big?
3: Well, yeah. I mean, they say we don't know exactly. They're half angels, man. Yeah. We don't know exactly what was passed on, but they were they were worshipped as gods in this world, right?
0: <laughs> okay. So and I they, have a couple the, more technical questions, and I don't want to belabor a bunch of that stuff. But there's just a couple yeah, have things a couple that I don't quite understand. And then I'd like to talk about this the importance yep. of this or if it's important. But yep. – if it's a difference, first of all, in to, to use the term species, I, mm-hmm. pretty much means that you can't interbreed. Like you can a donkey and a uh, horse can make a mule or something like that. But, you know, and I guess it gets blurry there. But if so, it's different DNA, but they're still able to interbreed with humans. And I know DNA wasn't a. Concept they had in the Bible for, you know, and I don't know if it would made sense if they did have it or or if people understood it, but it seems like that's a little bit hard for me to understand. And even if so, what I'm saying is the the supernatural part of it is less hard to swallow than the actual physical nuts and bolts of it. Right. It's easier for me to think broadly about it but when you think specifically it gets quite confusing and then even if they are able to interbreed somehow and the dna is not distinct it seems like it would show up or be testable and also i got a it leads me to this weird question that says if you just happened to find out like i don't even see what how these if does the dna itself carry evilness like, how would they not just be born a certain way and then you could talk to? Them? Like, what if you tested yeah. my DNA and I found out I had hybrid blood in me? Does that make me radically right. evil? Could I be reasoned with? How would I have the innate knowledge to go pursue uh, conspiracy, to do the antichrist? I mean, I don't understand how that's well, all could well, be transmitted number, number biologically. Number,
3: yeah, number one, we all, we're all we all sinners, right? So mm-hmm. whether or not you've got different DNA, I mean, we're sinners to begin with anyways and, and we need grace. Uh, and just because you may have Either a bloodline, and there's different variations on how people will view, uh, how you identify the markers from the the gods and and the kings. And, And also I want to note that the royal families will take their genealogies back the Nephilim and and the gods, and they have these genealogies in place. It's part of their pedigree. Um, but what I was saying is is your physical traits aren't going to dictate whether or not you're able to be forgiven or not. I mean, if you mm-hmm. choose Jesus and if you choose God and, you know, you believe in them, I mean, that's, that's all that you require. Even if you to contain be, Nephilim, Nephilim blood, you can be e- saved. Even if you contain okay. that, yeah. Yeah, and even in Old Testament law, I mean— that, were, that was given to the Israelites, the curse or the punishment or the consequence didn't go past the fourth generation, you know, the third to fourth mm-hmm. generation as, as described. So everything and you're yeah.
0: saying just is still saying that basically this is all would be considered by science. We're still only talking about homo sapiens, though.
3: Yes, you, you would just have an intermixing. And if you get into their belief system and what they believe, there's something in the blood – there is something in the genes that they would call the gene of Isis. And in their metaphors, they'll call the spark of the, uh, the divine or a thousand points of light as you get deeper into the occultic sort of understanding of it when they're, when they're talking about that. But they believe there are markers within the DNA and they believe there are markers in the blood. Some people speculate that that might be the insertion of the RH negative bloodline. But again, we don't have anything to prove that. We just know that RH negative isn't natural, it gets inserted at some point in time, and there's a whole bunch of different, from secular to religious people, you know, debating as to when and how and why that's even there. Uh, So, but... If you get into a cultic belief system, and you have to understand this is a polytheist belief system that's very strong in terms of having the divine right to rule that goes right back to the gods. It's called Vril in the Rosicrucian society or in what the Nazis believe as they're trying to create that new man or Nephilim concept. Uh, and they believe there's something in the blood that goes back to their original race that can recreate these giants Um down the road, which is what they're trying to do in that sort of greater Nephilim concept.
2: Why? Uh, uh, one of my questions is uh, like, okay, you said that normal people may might not can make giants or whatever, just a regular Homo yeah. sapiens. But I, but that that's not totally true. Like, look at Shaq or you know, like giant people. And when you see some of the pictures,
3: uh, Well, well what, that's not what, really what, a giant, is it?
2: Well, I mean, he's seven foot, eight I'd feet tall, and if you and if you were well, four and a half, five feet tall, standing beside. Shaq, you would definitely think he's a giant, right? So that that just leads me to: couldn't there have been just people, some oddities of nature that were just big people? Maybe a big like the Samoans on you know in Hawaii or whatever, like they were giant, big people that rode across the ocean. They rode like rowboats across the ocean. Couldn't that be where the stories come from? That seems more like plausible to me that there were just some big people and there there were stories about
3: them. If you're just talking seven feet tall, seven and a half feet tall, you're right. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about true giants. And these giants were monstrously big. Uh, Some people will speculate 20 to 40 feet uh, in the original sizing. Um, But what we do get is out of the Bible, and understand there's two measurements here. So understand what I said about... the Nephilim usurping the kingships and being of the royal bloodline. So they would use a royal cubit, which is 21 inches, uh, as opposed to a common cubit, which would be 18 inches. So even if you take Goliath, I mean, he moves from, um, you know, at six cubits and a span, uh, any way you want to do it, that's 9'9 to 11'3. Now, Og was on a bed that was uh, 13 feet 9 inches on a common cubit, and that would be over 15 feet, you know, somewhere between 15 and 16 feet. So that would put him closer to, let's say, 13 or 14 feet. So, but you know how are guys couple- are about exaggerating size. <laughs> I mean, come on. Well, well I'm right. taking these. I'm <laughs> taking these measurements out of the Bible. No, I'm not. So yeah, you, you want them, yeah. to say, so if you want yeah. to say that the Bible's exaggerate, that's your right no, no, no. to say <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah sure, right. sure. That's where I, probably I, this I was would divide for joke, some people, yeah. though. So yeah. if. If if you want to use some historians, I can give you some sizes of giants uh, in the time of, let's say, the Romans. Mm-hmm. Well, example, how about this? I can, me, also, this I can also I can also tell let, you. Yeah. How, okay. Well, you, yeah, well, uh, that's for, fine. Yeah. No, jumping off your point, what I was
2: going to yeah. say is, if you have a forty foot hybrid human, wouldn't yeah. like they spent? would they just have to spend all their time eating? Like 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 the dinosaurs. I mean, what they wouldn't have time to be an evil conspiracy because that, literally they'd have to eat like probably what 10 times as much as me right yeah yeah is that and not that's
3: right? what and that's what the book of Enoch even though it's not in, in in scripture will tell you is is that they had these voracious appetites and they were enslaving human people to keep feeding this appetite and there were an absolute plague on the earth and I would also make the case that where you hear the story of the giants in Genesis 6, there's no separation there in in Genesis 6 that leads you into the flood story. And in all accounts around the world, it's the giants that are the big change here that's mm-hmm. going to corrupt the whole world that will bring about the flood as they rebel against yeah because in Genesis the six
0: there it says that they that was right before the flood i guess but yes yeah. so but wouldn't okay i'm just i'm so sure that, i know you have a good answer to this but wouldn't the flood have wiped them all out then then they came back again they just read they came back down but
3: yeah and we're not told how that happens but i'll explain to you why We know it did happen that they're after the flood. So in Genesis 6, it says, you know, when the uh, sons and daughters, you know, when the sons of God went to uh, the sons uh, or, you know, the daughters of humans uh, and took wives, anyone they chose, that they were both before and after. We're not told whether that's before or after the flood. Is it, you know, the first time of a copulation and then shortly after, or is that after the flood? But after the flood, we get these beings that are showing up in the Bible called Rephaim. Uh, Anakim, Amin, Zamzuzim, Avim, Azim, on and on and on and on, and they do not go back to the table of nations. Mm-hmm. And in fact, the Anakim are said to be descendants of Nephilim in numbers. And all the other people, there's a few other peoples that aren't in the table of nations, but none of these go back to First Chronicles or Genesis of the Table of Nations or the descendants of Noah and the three sons that create all the nations. They just come out of nowhere, and these are described as giants. Okay. So again, you'll, in Numbers, it'll take giant, in King James Version back to Hebrew as Nephilim, and in other accounts of giants, for the most part, because there's only two places where Nephilim is recorded in Numbers, 20, in numbers and in uh, Genesis mm-hmm. uh, 6, and then the other giants go back to Rephaim.
0: So most of this hinges on a pretty literal interpretation of the Bible and it's pretty really, really strong on the side of inerrancy down to that you measure, uh, Cubits and take those measurements as good as anything else. Right? For instance, which I, I, I'm I'm not even saying my view on that. Yep. Certainly, it's looser than yours. But there's all manner of people that that have different interpretations of how exact does God intend for us to read. You know, 18 cubits, for instance, or reasons that that could be disputed. But is there? Is, so, I'm totally okay with people having different points of view on that, and thus all these conclusions come out of that. But I'm curious. Do you is it that largely, or do you do you feel like, or find, or have examples of stuff other if you didn't have the biblical text to go on? Is there other more modern accounts or science that that is sure. involved in your view?
3: Okay, so I mean, you can go to. Uh More recent discoveries, and let's look at uh, discoveries that's going on in Peru right now. The Perasca skulls are these elongated skulls that the giants are expected to have. And this isn't just caused by binding. You can do that to create that elongated look, but you can't increase the volume. And so if you look at Akhenaten, who has one of those uh, elongated skulls and increased capacity, and go to a a, a King Tut museum, that'll give you an idea what we're talking about when we're talking about these Uh, elongated skulls and he also has a very uh similar look to a sort of a viper type look or a seraphim type look with the high cheekbones and the extended chin and and the slanted eyes Uh, so have a look at that and that's like two thousand years after the giants are created but in north america it is absolutely inundated with records of giants being uh found as anywhere from you know on the smaller side that you're going to go let's say from seven to eight feet as, as big as 18 feet this is recorded in newspapers from the 1850s to the 1940s to the 1950s. Mm-hmm. And on my uh, Facebook website, I'll, I have a link on that where you can actually pull up those newspaper stories. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a record of these giants. And what's interesting about that, these are the red-haired ones. And then going back into mythology, whether it's Greek mythology or into the Native American mythology, or make that history and legends and, and religion, or the Maya. There was two classifications of colors. There was red hair and there was blonde hair. And, uh, there, and there are some smaller distinctions, but they all had this sort of serpentine look.
0: Why, how and why are the 18-foot giants that were obviously recorded 50, 60 years ago suppressed and that people don't know about that? Because well, I, don't, that's I mean, certainly co- that's not a mainstream fact or any, no, it's, in any way.
3: Well, well, no, it's not well, well known. And uh, you know, there was also a show on the History Channel that was trying to, I think it was by Jim Vera and his brother, that were trying to trace some of these newspaper articles down. In most cases, there's a paper trail that goes back to the Smitho- Smithsonian of these skeletons. And either, either they've lost them, misplaced them, or destroyed them, we mm-hmm. don't know. But in all cases, they're all sent back to the Smithsonian. There are also cases where these uh, bones and skulls are being found around the world. They tend not to be displayed as well. And, in fact, if you go to, like to the museums in Santorini about the Mycenaean or uh, other related islands around there, they actually have these skulls that they very rarely will bring out. So... It's, it's a bit of a mystery why people want to suppress this, uh, I suppose, to control the information. Well, that's see, that, that speculation, just, that's that's
0: so. really hard to accept for me. And I, I understand I have a different frame or view or worldview or lens that I'm looking through. And so I'm not trying to dismiss you out of hand. Um, and you seem like a reasonable guy, and I don't find you to be using a lot of super bizarre or aggressive tactics, which I appreciate. But... It makes no sense to me that there wouldn't be many, many unbiased scientists, uh, archaeologists, paleontologists, people who would love to have any of these things. And I, I cannot imagine a conspiracy large enough that would cause unbiased masses of scientists to to. Uh, mm. And you if,
3: and you think and you think science is uh, in a vacuum of objectivity. Uh, no i recognize funding. the <laughs> i recognize
0: the lens but it wouldn't take a it wouldn't take many i mean i understand that yeah. they have natural biases yeah. but I put it this way I'm a christian i believe in Jesus i happen to not be a paleontologist but if mm-hmm. i were and i had i would not be afraid to i would be very happy to find even not i would be very happy to be able to prove or disprove the rest of the body of science. Most of science rests on the fact that the new science is in fact going to disprove what we previously thought in order to further refine it. It's, it's the way we thought about uh, heliocentric you, you know, solar yeah. system so, and everything else. It's, it's suppressed. It's not suppressed. There is some biases. You, I acknowledge that there are some biases well, in mean, academia it, it, and so on, yeah. but I don't think well, it actually, makes any sense to be a, a large scale there, there,
3: conspiracy. There's a large bias unless you're going to further where they want to go. In terms they? of Who's developing they? their narrative, well, the people who control the funding, right? Um, you, you're not going to get funded. I mean, that's that happens in all aspects of science, right? It's not this sort of straight objective. And this whole kind of ideology is going would absolutely upset the whole narrative completely.
0: So did relativity when it came on the scene to Newtonian physics and quantum and so on and so forth and heliocentric universe. It's just something we've worked through constantly. The first people that discover something are probably going to be – at least people are going to be biased against them or think that might be fringe or weird or pseudo. And then as you find more of it, it becomes the dominant thing and science is refined and we all move on and we're all happy and those people become famous.
3: Yeah. I think that's uh, that's not quite the same analogy. I mean basically what – Uh, Einstein did was he was taking the areas that they were having problem with and presented the solution Mm -hmm. now they didn't accept it all right away and they're still Mm -hmm. starting to they still haven't accepted everything that Einstein has said because they're trying sort of prove it as they go right that's supposedly what they're doing but it was still directionally in the same direction that they wanted you know that they were hoping to develop their their understanding this I mean to go back and say that Giant, there was this other race it overturns everything that secular science stands so for. So it would be the
0: greatest scientist, uh, scientific achievement in all of paleontology to do so. It would, uh, it would be the greatest find for a scientist to do. It would make his career well, and make him the best. You know, that's, that's what that would be if somebody could do well, that. They wouldn't say, he, I'll bring it out sometimes. They yeah, but Matt,
1: what, but the only but, thing about but, that, but though, if it is— gets suppressed. Yeah, or, or or people point and say that well, make a mockery out of them. So so yep. if if there are a lot of people that say yeah, we are going in this direction scientifically, but you have one person that says oh, but look what I discovered. What if yep. what if they were just to be ridiculed and scorned by the yep. scientific yep. Uh, community? Yep. Well,
2: I, yeah, I, why do that that makes no, sense they do at be, all? Why why do they have to be so big? Like what, what's the advantage there being forty feet tall? Like that, that, like that just seems bizarre. Like if you were really going to try and do a conspiracy, you'd want to blend in, not be massively giant or, or you would come out and we would worship you. Like if there was, if there was a race of people that were 40 feet tall, I believe most people probably would bow and just go ahead and loot. You know what I mean? They did bow to them. So so are you saying
3: they're not hearing (laughs) right? Well, well. As, let me let me uh, answer uh, you know a couple of things on, on that before I get into into okay. that question because there's a, a lot of things that were being um, put out there. So um, there are these discoveries going on. So they actually have a term for these artifacts. They're called uparts, you know, out of place artifacts,
1: mm-hmm. right?
3: And if they don't fall into that set of bones that they set up on a chart that flows, they're called uparts, right? They set them aside. That happens all the time. There's thousands and thousands and thousands of these ones. So it's not that there aren't some evidence out there and there is and it's not that there aren't scientists that are finding them. It's just that they're being ignored. Now second thing is is when you look at the demigods that we're talking about in the past, they did worship them. So if you get into the gods of Egypt that are, let's say, you know, you've got three areas of gods. You've got the age of the gods as you get into the first time, and then you've got the age of the demigods. And then starting about 3000 BCE, as it goes on secular chronology, you have uh, Narnes as being the start of the human dynasty. And so you have sort of this evolution down that's recorded of the gods the demigods and it's the demigods that are these gods right then they looked like gods they were bigger they ruled over the people you they have encryptions or reliefs of these of these kings that are all over Egyptian archaeology and of course everybody just says well that was just imagination right except that if you if you really get into what uh, the Greeks or the uh, the people of the India will talk about this isn't Mythology, this is their history, and they didn't record it as a fanciful imagination. They recorded it accurately to honor these demigods that they were worshiping.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I think we need a couple hours at least to really get into this. So I don't want to fly over it or miss a point or, you know, get a a zinger in on you or you on me. I I don't really want to do that. But let's just say people can look into this themselves and figure out what they think about the the artifacts of like that. But could you tell us why it's important or what we should do or what's going to happen? If all the stuff that you're saying is accurate, then what does that mean about today? And why does it matter?
3: So what, what my book sort of focuses on are the descendants of these Nephilim and these groups that I was talking about. So there is a partnership that comes down through history that uh, is developing the sciences. So you want to know where that conspiracy comes from in terms of why it's not objective. But they're working together with the mystical religions and the powerful elite that have the bloodlines that are coming down and they keep the genealogies. This is what they say. It's not me talking about it. And also remember, it's not important what I believe. It's who are the they elites believe. that have
0: the bloodline? Like
3: who, what kind of well, people are talking well, about here? Clintons, let me finish.
0: Obamas, and, and uh, those are
3: so far. Those are for so far down on the bloodlines that they're so far diluted that There's not a significance there. Those are new bloods. That's why they call them pseudo blue bloods in North America. They're not the pure bloods coming down. So you have from the dynasties coming down, you have it mostly through the royals, but then you have branches off into other families that are sort of in behind the scenes. And I'll break that down for for people in, in, in the book. And there's Many, many different names. But the Plantagenet would be one of the dynasties. Merovingian dynasties, Stuart dynasties, Habsburg dynasties, the Romanovs who aren't really around anymore. But you understand who these dynasties are. They all intermarried to keep those bloodlines pure, mm-hmm. right? And that comes right down through are, history. Are they, that were they, they were the doing dynasties that.
0: the powerful because they had the power of the of uh, uh, what nephilim and giants in them is that wh- how the Stuarts were able to be a powerful dynasty in the first
3: place well they were they were a, a scion or a grafting in of many bloodlines mm-hmm. and so th- that's why uh, they were one of the most noble bloodlines based on their genealogies and their belief system and that's why they were so firm on that divine right to rule because they believe that went right back to the gods okay Right
0: and so to, what yeah. is, who is who are there people aware today not that they just have, "Oh, my bloodline is pure, I'm part of the English royal family. Of course they care about their bloodline, but they don't mean anything supernatural by it. Or I don't assume that they do. You're, are you saying there's many families and powerful groups of related people who fu- ha- have full awareness that they have demonic uh, DNA and they seek to keep that and use it as t- to control stuff, and they are all in on it and know that about themselves?
3: Yes, I wouldn't use the word demonic though. I would well, I'm say sorry, yeah. demonic. What, what, what yep. would you use there for that? What is in their blood well, that's I would, different than mine? And well, yours? well, I would say they would have the physical uh, bloodlines and some DNA markers that would come down from the Nephilim that would go back to the That also angel empower back.
0: them though. Is their blood different than ours? Not just simply they, marked, but like they, there's
3: something in it that gives them power. They believe it is, and in the Rosicrucians will call that the Vril concept, which, again, was adopted by, by the Nazis, right? Mm-hmm. So something in the blood that they believe that you can backwards engineer to redevelop the size and the scale and the sort of pedigree of, of the original Nephilim. I and don't where know is all this, he- where is all what this headed believe.
0: then? If they are able to continue this way and we don't get them, are we supposed to get them or overturn them or find them out, or what are we supposed to do?
3: Well, I, I think if if you're familiar with prophecy, you're familiar with the end time. And so they want to bring on the end time. So they're trying to establish the universal religion, and they're trying to establish uh, the ten groups of nation empire that's going to represent the end time. That's why the Club of Rome was developed in the 60s, and they report directly to the Rosicrucians, and they already have the world divided up into ten. That's uh, – Ten is the number that is a constant that was used in prehistory, and it's also the number that's used in prophecy and Revelation and Daniel about the Ten Kingdom Empire. So Atlantis, as I mentioned before, was a Ten King Titan Empire uh, that was known as the helm of world government in the Antediluvian Empire, in the world, according to their mythology and belief system, even though they were checked as it was uh, and defeated by the Athens, as Plato recorded in Timaeus and Critias. But it's that metaphor you have to keep in mind what they're trying to set back up. That's why Francis Bacon wrote, who is the inspirational founder to uh, the Royal Society, which all scientific groups still report back and pay homage to today, wrote the book The New Atlantis, which was the inspirational founding for the Royal Society. That combined the polytheist religion, that they worshipped in the end time and comes out of theosophy and Gnosticism of his time, because Gnosticism spawns theosophy, that is going to be the bridge between science and religion in the end time, right? So that's what they're trying to bring about, is, is this world government of this new Atlantis that Bacon wrote about that's going to bring in this world of utopia, but people are going to be told that you're going to have to fight for your freedom and you're going to have to rebel just as they did at Babel, just as they did in the Antediluvian time, and take their stand against the God of the universe. So, right, I, got need one, to, I got one go last ahead.
2: question, real quick. Uh, I was going to ask so the 40 the footers, they're gone now, right? They don't exist anymore?
3: Yeah, we don't even know whether they ever existed. Okay. So, that, that as might I, as, been... I as, as I said, people speculate on that, but um, I don't have anything larger than, say, 16 feet that I could point towards Birds. anywhere. But still, I mean, anytime you get something that is uh, 10 to 12 feet, you're talking monstrous size. Sure. Yeah. And they were known to have not just taller, they were big and muscular. Where a human would have a three to one uh, height to width ratio, these were known to have a two to one. Mm-hmm.
0: So, but what, do we, what do, we, do we need to do? Anything? Is this a problem or something we could stop or fight or something like that, in your view?
3: Well, no, and and, and uh, again, people who are from the Christian faith will understand that the end time can't happen until the restrainer is removed. So they're trying to bring about the end time all the time. But until the restrainer is removed, it's not going to happen. And when it does happen, it's ordained, so it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. So
0: there's not that much to worry about then at least. It's just kind of well, entertainment just to talk about.
3: Well, if you don't think worrying about mass slaughter and genocide and uh, <laughs> almost destroying the whole world before Jesus comes back, is okay, nothing so, so to as be concerned here, about. Okay, I guess okay. that's fine.
0: <laughs> so you would say that the, there's ties to the Nazis. And so in, these are evil people that while we're here taking care and stewarding the earth are trying to do more evil things and more genocides yeah. and harm more people. Thus, we should fight them on that level. But I would say maybe well, we could fight them when they arise. But yeah. would you think it's more important to research giants and do – These things, for instance, then let's say like if what you're saying is true and we could stop a bunch of genocides and all that, then this is more important to focus on than, let's say, climate change while we're here.
3: Well, I would say that, uh, you know, if you want to pick, you know, climate change change as uh, something that is your passion to do, I think you should go do that. Um, What I'm here to identify, particularly for Christians, and maybe wake some other people up, is to understand the times that we're possibly moving into, and understand the language that these groups and organizations are talking to us as they overflow us with alien mythology and the entertainment and the media, as they overwhelm us with superheroes, which is a reflection of these ancient demigods, Uh, and Superman is a great allegory, but we probably don't have time to go into that allegory. Um, They are in inundating us all the time in literature and entertainment and the media preparing us for this. And what you'll learn as you read through the book is to understand the language of the allegory that they're talking about.
0: The the people with the bloodlines control media and entertainment.
3: Yes, but it's also alongside with the secret societies and the mystical religions that we talked about. Because you have to understand that they all rose at the same time, and they all have a different aspect of the agenda. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, I think that's it's hard to get your brain around a, a conspiracy to where the mystical religions and royal bloodlines and dynasties are controlling the Netflix original programming. And I'm not, I don't mean that as a slight, but especially as these things go on and w- there's a million whistleblowers and obvious ineptitude in governments and incompetency w- wildly, it seems unreasonable that. I mean, for instance, this show's not controlled by anybody, it's media and entertainment. And, you know, I don't think it's controlled or it's at least not ov- some overt conspiracy or i feel like we would see it or something like that but um or is it but it's difficult it's, it's really difficult you know once it, you start to have to explain away the problems with large-scale conspiracies that involve thousands of people that that kind of gets a little dicey at least
3: well i think you're seeing an erosion maybe not necessarily this show but i think you see a general trend where you have a lining up against christians and moving them off to the side and a lot permitting less and less of that to implement society. You also have to remember most of the world isn't Christian. So it's it, a lot of the world is already under this polytheist belief system. So it's a sort of ever-march towards this universal religion and world government. It's yeah, not, but secular doesn't entertainment like
0: doesn't, doesn't, isn't step one to genocide,
3: though. No, but it prepares you for what they're going to be doing. Okay right it prepares you to accept the ideas and the concepts that they're going to because they've already told you what they're going to do right so it makes it a little bit easier but christians are going to be the problem and christians are going to be the ones that they're going to go after and they're going to do that in two ways they're going to go after the deity of jesus in in a way with the proof that they say they have and they're also going to go after uh paul As the one who raised Jesus to deity status as being a heretic, just as he's called in the the Gnostic scriptures coming out of Qumran and the Dead Sea Scrolls.
0: Okay, I've got a pretty good grip on it. Joey, Toby, what else y'all want to
2: talk about? Yeah, I mean, I guess for me, Gary, I I think all this is super interesting. Like, I do find it fascinating. I have to admit, I find this fascinating. (laughs) It's harder for me to go along with conspiracy theory. For example, I mean, like, every, every president in America has been Christian. Uh, America's a Christian nation, supposedly. I know people argue that we're not anymore or whatever. I want to say. But, like, Christianity, the year is 2017 of our Lord. Like, the, there's a lot of Christianity going around. And, you know, what is it, a billion or so people are Christian. And so yep. I don't know if everybody's out to get us. It seems like this is really fun stuff. It's harder for me to to worry about. This evil stuff just goes well, take it that away there's a, just a bunch of bad stuff you know what yeah. I mean like no well, no Nephilim. there's still real bad stuff and, and let me say one more thing too like it, it's hard to pick and choose like when I, I I say well what about a cubit and you were like well you got to take the Bible literally but I mean even in Genesis 6 God says I'm going to wipe out all flesh all flesh will be gone but somehow you don't take that as literal because that,
3: well that's you not still believe that's not in quite what it, at least that's that's not quite what it says though is it I mean, it says, well, it does,
2: uh, uh, "The end of all flesh is come before me, for the earth is filled with violence. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth."
3: What he That's also says is, "Is I'm going to destroy?" And he says it twice uh, in uh, six four and seven three. I think that I'm going to destroy everything I created.
2: But, I mean, it also right. says in in Genesis let, me finish, 6, let me finish.
3: Let me finish. To destroy
2: all f- flesh wherein is the breath of life from under heaven. Like it, I mean, you have to take that literally too. Right, well, like you have to take that literally if you're going to say cubits are literal and all this. Other. Like God was so destroy, destroy everything but Noah and these animals.
3: So yeah. So are you saying Noah didn't survive because he's all flesh?
2: No, but he talked. He says besides you, Noah, and and your family, right. you yeah. Know, so and, I, I mean, maybe and? he saved some nephilim. I guess maybe some of his family were yep. nephilim. or Noah was yep. nephilim.
3: And it says, no, no, I don't believe that. I know a lot of people will go that way as one of the, the ways of it happening. Another way of it happening is second incursion, which happens after the flood, right? Because it said there are both before and after when the, the sons of God go to the daughters of humans. We don't, we don't get that explicitly told. We only know that they show up because the Bible talks about it. And I don't believe the Bible is in contradiction. I believe it adds to the story, Right. But I don't believe it's in contradiction, and so you have to you have to get out of the lockstep that just because it has a little extra information doesn't mean that that's a contradiction.
2: Yeah, but I mean it does kind of somewhat throw a wrench in reading the Bible literally. If God says I'm going to destroy everybody but you, Noah, that just that that and then to, you see what I'm saying. Like it seems like well I'll take this because there's some other information, but like because we have other information that there's nobody that's. Forty feet, but it's outside the Bible or something. And, so, and, and you know, all, all I'm
3: saying, and is all of, it's just, it's and all of what do. we have talked about is in Genesis six, right? Right. It's all in the same narrative. So I'm not sure what your point is. You just want to pick one piece out, but you no, don't no, want no. to I'm read saying, the rest I, of the narrative.
2: No, sure, sure. But I'm saying you said you you seem pretty staunch on taking the Bible literally, and then when I give you I a am? verse, when I say God says He destroys all flesh under heaven. Wherein is the breath of life from under heaven to destroy all flesh that you don't want to take that literally because you say, well, somehow God allowed
3: Nephilim to survive. So, I mean, that, that's what or I'm saying. Others, that means why, why, other well, flesh. Act, you
2: can't take that, that scripture literally. No, no no, so why,
3: no, 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 no. You're putting words into my mouth here. So let me let me explain this. So okay. nobody we're not told explicitly how the Nephilim get from the antediluvian world to the post diluvian world. There's only three ways. Somehow in the ark, which is what you were mentioning, which is comes right out of Gnosticism. Two, uh, and some people believe that the wives of the 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 daughters of or the wives of the sons of Noah had Nephilim DNA. But again, there's nothing in the Bible to say that. So somehow on the ark is one way, right? But we all know that there's only eight people. So if you want to pick that way, that's fine. We don't know that that's the way. Second way is somehow on another ark or off the earth somehow and all the other religions and mythologies around the world like the Epic of Gilgamesh will have a story of giants surviving the flood because they're demigods like Apnotician is two-thirds god one-third human, and so is his family, and Gilgamesh, who is giving the story, is the same way, and they're created the same way. So, either there is help from fallen angels, which isn't in the Bible, and all these other mythologies and religions are wrong, or that's a possibility. Or the third way, which I mentioned, because which I lean most heavily towards, is there's a second incursion, right? Because there are both before and afterwards, when the sons of God went to the yeah. daughters of humans. Female. So you can interpret that way, but what we Amen. do know, but what we do know is they show up as Raphaim and the descendants of Nephilim after the flood. The Bible is very clear on that. And this puts so you no, in
0: a six thousand year old Earth. Basically, you use
3: math to trace literal in that regard too. No, no, no. Actually, it doesn't. Um, so I, again, I don't believe the Bible is in contradiction. Mm-hmm. I've said that a couple times here. So if I put the story of day six together with the Eden account, mm-hmm. I get so many contradictions, I can't reconcile it. Right? So mm-hmm. you got two choices there. Either it's in contradiction or there's two different creations of humans. Mm-hmm. Six thousand years goes back to the birth of human. And underline one of the the things. And again, I've got. If somebody wants to get a hold of me through my website, I'll send you the handout on this uh, and l- list all the differences. But you, but you do. So you have.
0: I understand what you're, where you're going there. But you have Methuselah down as actually 969 Earth years of life, though.
3: That's what it says.
0: Okay. Right, that's that's what I'm just trying to see. Like basically, all Toby's trying to point out there is when you say literal, there's many different ways that that that, that word can even mean, and and even inerrancy and and being literal well, is define is, literal. I can't, I can't, I can't do, I mean, in the strictest interpretation says, of, we can't even says. use metaphor, or simile, or figures of speech. So, it, obviously, there's, it's not, it's you not you think that you're,
3: and you think 900 is a figure of speech? Well, Jesus is the Lamb is of figure.
0: God is one, and so, so I, I, I don't know if yeah, they, but, if there's some difference in the measurements or how people, right. I, I'm just saying, so, you have a but different way. Of,
3: but, but the Lamb of God is defined within the Bible. Clearly, right, I understand, so you understand. that. Yeah. I understand so, that's a
0: figure of speech. But w- w- there's obviously many people that disagree with you on, is it two separate Genesis accounts? Is it 6,000 years? Are these days representative epochs? Could Is there some way that that does make sense that we don't yet understand? Certainly, well, there's can take, a lot of room you, you can, there. But you you have, can in your it. view, you have everything nailed down really tightly.
3: Well, you can take it back to Hebrew and look at the Hebrew word. That's not hard to do. Mm-hmm. So you use the word years, it's going to define it as a year of that time, right? It's a year.
0: Right, but then we run into Noah problems and, you know, how do you deal with all the animals? I mean, there's things that are seemingly contradictory, not even in its speech, but just in its, like, physical realm of possibility, like 40 so, feet so people. The word, on, and what do you do with all the animal
3: so, shit on the boat and all that, you know? So the word kind, the word kind is, is as you take that back and how it's used throughout the Bible, actually refers to species. If you take that back to the Quran and its accounting of the Noah story, it actually says species.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, but I still don't understand if you go super literal, that makes no sense to me. It doesn't seem to even make sense to try to understand how they stewarded all the animals, well, I, fit them on the boat well, with the amount of cubits well, that it was and how they tended to any species, not whether it was two or one or ten, how they keep them, you know, the, the food climate, all that stuff. It, it, that, that can't.
3: Well, well, there's well, no clearly, real way
0: to make sense out of stuff that you can't make sense out you, of, that you don't have all the information. That's not to say it's not true. It's to say yeah, it's clearly, incomplete information.
3: Clearly, not everybody believes what's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Clearly not everybody's Christians. That's everybody's sure. choice. Right, uh, And then you have a choice of saying within the Bible, if you're a Christian, do I want to read it literally or would I like to read it allegorically? But as soon as you go down that slippery slope, an allegorical right. approach is the Gnostic approach. Right, but there's, um, there's, there's um, 1,000 shades let there. Me finish, let me finish. Then whatever you define as that allegory changes the meaning. Mm -hmm. Right? So you really don't know what the meaning is, which is why you have to go through the mysteries and be initiated and enlightened to understand the two allegories, which is... Polytheism, yeah, but not there's not so many different
0: ways that people that are attempting to read it literally and are trying not to be allegorical or symbolically read it that con- that that dif- th- disagree with you. So all I'm I saying is there are, there are many yeah. of different ways that people that are even intend to be literal have certainly many many different points of views. And but yours is nicely constructed and neat, but it gets into that territory where at some point it backs into a corner of saying, "Well, I'm the only, well, I'm the one that has it most right or all the way right." When you get super, and then when you have all these th- theories that are all based off this and that's no. based on this. You, you don't have, you know, which it all falls you, which apart is why, at some which, point.
3: Which is why I'm, I'm respectful mm-hmm. of everybody else's approach. But if you do read it literally, all of a sudden everything sort of falls in place. You don't have any of these issues.
0: Uh, again, a simple one is that it doesn't make any. It doesn't fall into place how you could have lions and black widow spiders and s- micro species of amoeba all tended to and fed and maintained and separated and then repropagated. That that is a that that type of thing makes you run into problems. You can't say that so, it all falls into place.
3: Well, basically, what you're saying then is that there was no flood.
0: That's not what I'm saying I'm saying that The opposite of what you're saying Is not what I'm saying I'm saying You're saying a very 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 narrow And specific thing Where you have Thousands of years Of history And artifacts And things That all have to line up Or else it doesn't make sense, so you have a very strong likelihood to find in confirmation bias the things that support what you're saying because it's so yeah. developed and tightly knit and spans so sure. much and has so a, a, well. And a the thing here we, all, we, we do
2: all believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. We all are trying to figure out the yeah. truth and all that stuff. I, I, like I said, I think this is fascinating. I wish we had a hundred more yeah. hours because it sounds like you got a lot of stuff. So, Gary, thank you for coming on, being so kind, yeah. giving us all. this. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what your book is because I mean, we did we only touched the surface here.
3: Yeah, yeah, not even so. The no. book is. Yeah, the book is called The uh, Genesis 6 Conspiracy, How Secret Societies and the Descendants of Giants Plan to Enslave Humankind. And as we've talked about, it, it's a 6,000-year connect-the-dots investigation into the groups that we we're talking about how they plan to bring this about. And what I do, it's the most researched book that's out there that I can tell. I'll show you where I get all of my information from. I use secret societies. I use other religions. I use historians. You can check the veracity of my references and decide whether or not you think that makes sense or not. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to tell a complete narrative, which nobody has done in this genre before. And I think I do a pretty good job of that. Awesome. So Genesis
1: genesis6conspiracy.com and that's with the number yes. 6. genesis6conspiracy.com. It's been fun.
0: Let me say Gary yeah. too that I, that I do respect you. I don't I'm not I don't even feel like we've debated or anything like that, but I'm just trying to get a grip on and represents some different point of view than yours here. Um, I do get the strong sense that that you are not a I don't think that you are a dishonest person peddling something to sell books or anything like that, lest you think no. that. I, I believe that this is your interpretation, the way that you believe it, and that you've come to it, and, and it's respectable and authentic to you, okay. very much so. so yeah, I hope and I'm that's not, worth and something.
3: I, and I'm not here to divide Christians. Sure. And I appreciate right? that I, too, yeah. Now,
2: the only thing that does weird me out is you're sitting down. How tall are you, Gary? Yeah. <laughs> uh,
3: <laughs> I am only six feet tall, so. Okay. All right. Woo! I, I didn't, I, I didn't I may, want to be deceived. <laughs> I, I, I may be pale-skinned and hazel eyes that Giants have, but I'm, I assure you I'm not a Nephilim.
2: <laughs>
3: All right, thanks so much, Gary, for joining us. Well, thank you for having me. All right, so, so we went a little key.
2: long. We probably got to go ahead and wrap it up, right? Yep, I mean, that'll that, be that, it for that, the episode this that week. Went and, week wild. Yeah, that went I did enjoy it. I did enjoy yeah. it. I mean, I think that stuff's just, just out there, boy. But it just <laughs> – that's the thing It's all I can think is it's just out there I can't bring myself to go yeah that, that you know what I mean like that's well, how What'd you at. find and, it
0: Joey it, you didn't say much I guess you just he won,
2: well, he won you over well no, I mean, Joey probably
0: her. would would agree with him on a lot of stuff so he let,
1: hey, let it let me well, tell you again
2: Joe, were you researching Nephilim and stuff the entire time
1: <laughs> while I can't we' were- get a word out no seriously my Skype Crashed literally a dozen and a half times, so it was pretty frustrating. I found myself most of the episode trying to get in on the conversation but no i first of all, I want to point out that I think a huge distinction what Matt said is, and i 'm glad Matt recognized this is this this dude is certainly a student and this is what he's convinced of. And I think that's what makes it so interesting because I also don't think he's a crazy person. Like now (laughs) I'm totally fine with people saying his beliefs are crazy. Okay. That's fine. But he's not a crazy person. This is what he's convinced of. And yeah, I, I, I see more plausibility in what he's saying than what you guys But, but I mean uh, you I, I, but you can't just say he's not a crazy person. Though. I mean like if he's teaching
2: like oh, I'm just saying I don't think he's a crazy person. I understand what you're saying, but if he if the world starts going this way and we start believing in giants and stuff like that, it will affect education and how sure, we view sure, sure, the world sure, and all those sure. things. So I'm saying. saying there there yeah, is like yeah. and I think he would even agree that there are serious consequences to believing this or not believing it. You know what I mean? Right. That's, yeah, that's, that's I guess, all I'm saying. I, guess, I, guess I think I Gary would say clinic. that. To. I guess I don't I was think get, clinical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, he's yeah. not. I don't think he's an absurd, crazy person. No, I don't think he has a mental it, yeah. illness
0: or anything. But I do think I, I, that I it's even, obviously. Even say crazy. I think it's obviously entertainment, is what I'm saying. I, I, I know that sounds dismissive, but I think it's obviously entertainment to all those who even like Joey. I really believe it's entertainment for Joey. So if you say you believe it, if you're saying what well, could be true, and that's why I like to. Dabble over here That means You're just doing it For entertainment If you, if it could be true And it means Mass genocide's on the way We better fucking Get with it right now That's not the way yeah. People treat it though People don't treat it that way They treat it like Hey I can listen to this That's neat What if it was that Ooh,
1: ooh Ancient <laughs> right. aliens
0: is on That's You don't really believe that it's a, and he calls it a genre. I don't think that that means it's not true, but this is a pl- a place to play around, and it's something, and it's interesting, and it's speculation, yeah. and it can be fun. And I think that's. The I'm way glad he came on. You know,
1: yeah. Matt and I to- right.
2: totally disagree. So,
1: yeah. All right. Well, Kevin J. Thompson, Blake Edward Mayers, Chase Blankenship, Joel Barboza, Tommy H. Jurgen the third, Scott Kennedy, and Eric Hendricks. Thank y'all for joining the BC Club. That's B- thebcclub.com. If anybody else wants to get in on the action, I think Toby is giving away um, one free makeout session. His wife gave him permission to do that. So, boy or girl, uh, make-out session for 18 one plus. BC I'm, I'm BC offended
2: Club. by both those terms. I'd just rather say in, <laughs> a, anyone. You know what I mean? No, I, in, 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 in preparation for this episode, I actually... Uh, I looked up at nephilim and all that stuff, and i I decided to use it and I, I it backfired on me i Jess and I were getting ready to make love, and I pulled down my pants and said, i'm gonna release the nephilim and
1: she, <laughs> she said she she said more
2: like David with two pebbles in a sling
1: <laughs> release the Nephilim.